0: Hi, I'm Chris Neeland, host of the new podcast, Cult Brand Secrets, brought to you by The Gathering and Evergreen Podcasts. The Gathering is a Forbes top-rated business summit and a masterclass for brand and business leaders hoping to reap the benefits of cult-like adoration. Every year, The Gathering brings together disruptors from around the globe to learn from and to celebrate the leaders behind some of the most iconic brands in the world, like Marvel, Skittles, Beats by Dre, Yeti, and the Dallas Cowboys. For the first time ever, this podcast will give you access to some of the exclusive business leader learnings from the gathering's past events. I always knew that Marvel was cool, but the most pleasant surprise when I did the Marvel brand evaluation for their participation in The Gathering 2019 was to discover how cool Mindy Hamilton is. Mindy is the Senior Vice President over Global Marketing Partnerships for Marvel Studios, which I think everyone knows is owned by the Walt Disney Company. She's this horse loving southern gal now living amidst the glitz and glam of Hollywood and applying her formidable experience for decades working with some of the biggest entertainment properties and biggest brands in the world, and now applying that to the different Marvel franchises. You know, at one point in the presentation, Mindy casually refers to marketers as orators. And I really thought that was interesting. I looked it up and the definition of an orator is someone who speaks in public eloquently or effectively by using phrases that appeal chiefly to one's emotions. Now, Marvel film creators have certainly learned how to do that. And they have mastered emotional storytelling in all of their movies. But interestingly to me, so has Mindy and the marketing department. You know, her job in particular is to work with this who's who's list of strategic partners, mega brands like Audi or Harley Davidson, Coca-Cola, MasterCard, really dozens more that range from everything like auto insurance to fast food to even Ziploc storage bags. All these different brands are lining up to piggyback off of Marvel's amazing brand equity. And it's really Mindy's job to make sure that her team crafts deals that will enhance the Marvel experience and enhance the brand and absolutely never detract from it. So I hope that as you listen to Mindy speak, you'll take notes of two things in particular. First, understand that Marvel is not about superheroes. They have transcended beyond characters, and they're really about epic storytelling and the power of the human spirit. You know, those are two things that we need better represented in more brands and in different categories. Secondly, Mindy references something about this interact instead of transact. That's just so key for us to remember as marketers. It's not difficult to find ways to bribe or to conjole someone to purchase. But cult branding isn't about getting more people to buy. It's about getting more people to buy in. And when they buy in, they will transact more because they interact more. All right, that's enough for me. Let's listen to Mindy's presentation at The Gathering 2019, and then I'll come back at the end.
1: Thank you, Chris. And thank you to all The Gathering uh, folks. You guys have been amazing. Chris, Bradley, Josh, my man who's keeping me going from building to building so I don't get lost. So I just want to say thank you for that. Yes, I'm holding Kleenex. You're going to get all kinds of secrets out of me today because I am jacked up on cold medicine. (laughs) So this is going to be a wild, wild ride. Anyway, so I'm thrilled to be here. Do we have Marvel fans in the house, I hope? Yes. Keep me honest here then. So if I step aside, somebody I'm sure is going to flag it and go, uh 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 that happened in 1976. And it was right before Holt met so-and-so and all of that. So I'm still getting up to speed on that front. But uh, I think we can all agree that we all believe in the power of the narrative, right? Clear, powerful storytelling. I mean, at the end of the day, we're marketers. And we're always trying to make that connection with our customers and with our fans. We want to amplify the souls and the heart of our brand and make that connection. And really in a saturated marketplace, it gets harder and harder to soar and rise above all this shit. If I'm right, I mean, our jobs are getting harder and harder on a daily basis. But as amplifiers and orators, this is our job. It takes courage every day, day in and day out, especially at Marvel where the bar was doing this. and. Now we don't even see the bar. I'm like, the bar's somewhere way, way, way up there. Before I dive into Marvel, though, a little bit about me. He mentioned this. I'm still asking myself, how did a girl from Little Rock, Arkansas get here? It keeps me humble every day, to be perfectly honest. I think everybody at Marvel, is so humble, is so real, Um, and I think that's part of the secret sauce is why the content is so great. So I shouldn't be completely stumped though, and when I was a little girl my nickname was Hollywood. True story, I used to sit in a black turtleneck in yellow sunglasses next to an avogado green phone. Yes, I just gave my age away in that one sentence, and my dad would walk in the door and I'd be sitting by the phone, he'd say, what's up Hollywood? And I'd say, waiting on the call, daddy-o, waiting on the call. No idea. That started at age four. Um, By age 12, I told him I wanted to be an entertainment lawyer. Thank God that didn't happen. That was, whew, crisis averted. I was into everything when I was a kid. Theater, pottery, painting. I wrote my own music. Geek flags about to fly here. I was fascinated by stars and slides. True story, I collected slides, and I would sit there and click them. I guess it was, you know, getting me ready for today. I would torture my mother and be like, pay attention, Mom, Andromeda. Um, And that happened, guessing I was getting ready for Guardians of the Galaxy. By age 10, I had attended my first concert, which was David Bowie. It was all downhill from there. I started my own newspaper by the age 10, yep neighborhood, but I started it. Also did rodeo in the summers, which Chris mentioned. For the record, the goat always won. (laughs) Always. In short, my mom always used to say to me, she's like, honey, you were always just up to stuff. You're just always doing cool shit. My calling was storytelling, some of them truthful, some of them a little tall, occasionally. My career path, you mentioned a little bit of it, Chris. You know, I started as a radio DJ, My handle was Mindy the Mouth of the South. Please don't look it up, it's so embarrassing. But that did happen. I was at agencies, I worked at Pepsi, Um, I worked at E! before it was the Kardashian Network. I helped launch the Style Network. I I did a little bit of everything. I wrote uh, literally checks on a dance floor when I was in EDM, that was a wild ride. And and then eventually I came back into film and I, I landed here at Marvel. This is me today. I have an amazing fiance who is a part-time unicorn, part-time mermaid. I have three amazing boys, six, nine, and 13. Oh my god, I just said it, 13. That happened last week. And he's reminding us on an hourly basis. Yep. Those of you who just laughed have one in your home. You know, some of these things are really my white space. That's where I go and I encourage everybody, you've got to in today's business. You gotta peek your head up, you gotta get out there, you gotta feed the soul. And for me, it's everything from Coachella to snowboarding. It's killing me not to be on the mountain right now and a whole, whole lot of beach time. I live in Venice, so you will find me there if you're in that neck of the woods. I'm I'm always out there. My little guy, he's six. And he is the ultimate fan. He is so representative of what's transpired over the last 10 years, and how the Marvel fan base and brand has just soared into new limits. True story, he's actually never even seen a Marvel film yet. Haven't done it yet. It's a little, you know, some of the action's a little out there, so he wasn't ready quite yet. He's gonna be ready this summer. But this has affected him so much, so much so that he literally, on a daily basis, will either draw or describe a new villain that he would like me to personally go take into Kevin Feige and tell him that it should be integrated into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Literally, I have to kick him out of the carpool line and go, honey, go to school. In my first year at Marvel, he was so excited, and all he kept talking about was Red Hulk. Mom, Red Hulk, he's amazing, Red Hulk. And I kept telling him, I said, honey, listen, you know, I don't know how to break this to you, but Hulk, Hulk is green. And he's like, Mom, there is a Red Hulk. Well, he was right. There is a Red Hulk. But in fairness, we have over 8,000 characters. We are literally just getting started. For almost 80 years, Marvel has taken us on a wild ride. Starting as a little publishing house in New York City 80 years ago has turned into the multi-conglomerate that we know today. Everything from television to films to games, digital, social, licensing, merch, anything you can think of, we're going to go do it. And we have the new D2C platform that Disney's announced, all kinds of fun stuff going on there. But in the beginning, besides this publishing, we were content providers, and we licensed our content. Some of those things were successful, were good hits. Spider-Man, others Hulk slash Daredevil, maybe not so much. I hope I didn't offend anybody with those original films. But those weren't our own. So we took a big bet, and we decided to write and produce our first film. We took it in-house. We decided to create a studio. That was a huge, crazy undertaking 10 years ago. That first film was Iron Man in 2008. No one wants to give away the conversation with their fans, nor should they. So we really, really needed to own our content. 10 years and 20 films later, we have literally connected the most amazing connected universe where at any given point in time, any character can show up in another's film. That allows us to introduce new characters as well as expose you to the other parts of the Marvel Galaxy. It's important. Think about that when you're putting your stuff together and how you can make that a connected universe, because basically everything you put out there starts to help lift every other aspect of your content and storytelling. So in short, you've basically met a fraction of you know, what we have to offer, so we're, and they've really made an incredible impact. So what's the secret sauce? We don't just make superhero films. I would argue when people ask that, they're like, hey, Superf- him? how long is that going to last? You know, Is it going to just you know, sort of go away? And I would argue that we're actually making genre films that just happen to feature superheroes in them. Basically, everything we do connects with our fans on some level in one of these tenets, whether it's heartfelt, action. They could come in the door for the humor. They could come in the door for what is going on with that particular character, i.e. Doctor Strange, and how it was a rags to ruin and then had to reinvent himself. Everything connects. We see ourselves in these characters, so they transcend beyond just the superhero elements. At the core, it's epic storytelling with the human spirit. Keep that one, rip that one off, borrow it, steal it, keep it, because that, at the end of the day, I don't care what you're selling, toothpaste or toilet paper, you really need to figure out what is that storytelling and how do you incorporate that human spirit Affectionately called by the fan press, the house of ideas. Whether it was our comics, our films, licensing, digital, social, whatever it may be, the one thing we agreed to do was to remain true to our mantra, which is reflect the world outside your window. And we've done that day in, day out, no matter what new business, no matter what piece of content or story we tell. Sometimes that view is uncomfortable. And we don't shy away from it. We keep it. In fact, one of the things that I was reminded of in 1941, hopefully hope I got my date right. Somebody, somebody's going to flag me if I didn't. But in 1941, our very first Captain America cover, the very first published comic on him, he was seen on the cover punching the lights out of Hitler. True story as legend had it, we literally had people picketing outside the New York office. Picketing. We didn't back down, and we never have. We'll still continue to push forward, and that's what you have to do. You have to be willing to take risks. You have to be willing to lean into those things. You know, I mean, I would say that Marvel not only helps create pop culture, but creates cultural tidal waves. Great example of that is Black Panther. What an amazing special film. Truly, truly proud of it. I, I mean, I would love to look at you dead in the face and answer honestly and say we knew it would be that big. We knew we had something special. We didn't know that it was gonna take on. And the great part about Marvel and the storytelling and being able to take risk and do things like a Black Panther is it grows the universe. It expands the fan base. So we brought a whole new set of folks in by taking that risk and they didn't go away. They didn't just come in for that. They stayed with us. You don't get to numbers like we did on Avengers Infinity War, which was several months later by not having a film like Black Panther that introduces new fans and gets them in the door. I know you'd love for me to give even a further peek behind the hallways and what's going on, and I'd love to tell you about the writers' room that looked more like a CSI crime investigation. I do remember at one point going into Infinity War. It looked like a door opened and there was yarn going everywhere. People hadn't, you know, slept in days. There was like pizza in people's hair. It was it was pretty gnarly. And I do remember there was like a wall of what looked like trading cards, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Is that sort of like your historical wall, keeping you guys honest about who met when who? And they were like, no, no, that's the. Cat. And I would love to tell you about Endgame. I'd also love to tell you about what happens after Avengers and what our slate looks like in the future. But to be perfectly honest, I'm pretty sure they're holding my six-year-old in an undisclosed location right now, and I'd love to see him this weekend. He's a good guy, so I am going to have to abide by Thanos' rules and and, uh, go by the way of silence. What I can talk about, though, is Marvel partnerships. Our role is to eventize um, these films You know, people are used to seeing traditional marketing. They're used to seeing outdoor boards, a trailer, movie posters, all of those things. My job is to find all the things that we can't go by, all the ways that we can reach those fans in their daily lives, and how we can further that emotional connection. So transcending traditional marketing, if you will. What's cool about it is we often get to extend the narrative as well. So there's lots of ways we get to play in or around storylines or or with our, our characters. So how do we get there? And this goes beyond you know, a lot of people confuse this, and they go partnerships. Oh, you you do product placement. We do product placement. We do original content. We do cereal boxes, soda cans, you name it. We do it all. That that all falls under the realm of partnerships. And we do our best for our brands to help them migrate across the universe. Everything, whether it's film, or television, or games. All of them. However, you want to play. That's not a sales pitch. Happy to talk to you if you are interested. But literally, as that's our job is to help you migrate across all of our our content. So, how do we get there? My biggest pet peeves are the doctor knows. My God, the analysis that goes on. People are so obsessed with like checking boxes and following a roadmap. You know, how can you create change in this environment? You can't. You just can't. So. Those are some of my pet peeves. you know. With the Avengers, success comes with great teamwork. So when I joined Marvel, it was very clear that I had a very big job, and I was truly a part of something very, very special and had a massive responsibility to it. This quote hit home for me. I don't know if you guys know Jen Sincero. She's awesome. Her and her badass books. Check it out. She keeps it real. This definitely hit. We've all seen mediocrity. Stomp it out. Spit on it. Whatever your tradition is, get rid of it. Because again, you will never be able to create change, whether it's a dated process, whether it's too much process, whether we're stuck in a rut, whether we're too busy, as I said, checking boxes. At the end of the day, what it stops you from is it stops you from being creative, and you will not take risk. You won't. You just won't. We've all seen it. So I spent the last four years, because I may or may not have had a few folks. In and around partnerships that fell into that other org chart. And this is not literal, but it's how I went about it. You know, I think the thread is I wanted optimism, I wanted courage, I wanted a sense of humor, because God knows we can get caught in one hell of a grind. That's just the entertainment business. And with Marvel and how big it's growing, its trajectory, and how it has exploded. Um, There's a lot to keep track of. One of the big ones up here for me, which is also when I'm looking to, to fill out and round out a good team, is collaboration. It is a must. You have to collaborate. You have to be collaborative with your partners, and we have to be collaborative across the company because our job as amplifiers You have to collaborate. You have to be able to pull all the people. You are basically figuring out how to get a DNA of a partner's brand, tell a new story with your story, and get people engaged and get them on board to take Mr. Toad's wild ride. It is not an easy feat. So collaboration is very, very key. I have my own personal four Gs. I call it G-force. It's corny, I know, but it's my thing. And those, those four Gs are gut. Listen to it. Grit. Tap into it. Get rid of the white noise. It's everywhere. It's everywhere, I don't care where you work. I don't care how great it is. There's always white noise. If there's white noise, you will never be able to listen to that creativity, open up your head, peek your head up, and see what really should be done. And the last one is don't be good, be great. In my mind, good is the killer of great. And we hear it all the time, I'm good. It was good. How'd you feel about it? It was good. I'm like, what is that? Go be great. So those are just my four Gs. Now I'm happy to report I have a happy Shark Tank. Sharks have a keen sense. They are not only courageous, but they're also gregarious. They actually have a personality. Look it up. My entire team. We actually all wear bracelets. We had them made for everybody. We're all bracelets that say happy shark. We're collaborative. We're sharks at the end of the day because we will not let up until we have the best creative product, the best partners, and the best storytelling. So, so how do we stay focused in all of this madness that I've described? You have to believe in your brand. You have to use a Periscope. You have to throw that Periscope up, because we're all so busy with whatever, whether it's a meeting, a phone call, or your emails, or whatever it is, you've got to throw a Periscope up, guys. you got to look at what's going on in the landscape, what's going on with the human spirit, what's happening in culture today, and figure out how to infuse that. Because if you don't, then you're never going to connect with your fan. Your fan is living that every day. Think about what you're living through every day as well. So use that Periscope. Identify synergies and make sure it matters. Always make sure it matters. Doesn't mean it has to be so serious and gravitas. Just make sure it matters. Make sure it counts. There's a reason why you're doing it and not just checking a box. So our specific approach to do this, first and foremost, and this one ain't easy, perform, not conform especially when you're part of a big machine and then even part of a broader machine. Corporate America, we have a tendency, again, to, to stay in our silos or to stay in our lanes or in boxes. So first thing I tell my team, perform, not conform. This takes courage and all four of my G's for sure. A great example of this was the Lexus Black Panther campaign. We wanted to find an authentic partner Who was already in the multicultural space who already had that connection who was already speaking to those people we also wanted to make sure that whoever whether it was the brand dna or the vehicle in this case that it had some of the black panther characteristics god bless lexus they were brave they jumped in the pool and they said we believe in this film we know it's going to make its mark they were also smart because they started two years out they wanted to have a relationship not only to our fans, but to this character. So we did everything two years out from graphic novels. We tricked out cars, we did events, we did special content, all leading up. So by the time we got to the film, Lexus was already there. So by the, everybody knew there was already an innate connection. And there was nothing that, that needed to be explained because it was already ingrained. The Super Bowl finale earned them five billion earned media impressions biggest lift in sales in a single vehicle for them and the most successful campaign in Lexus's history to date. Another big one for us, elevate and innovate. You know, in order to engage audiences, we have to invite them in into our living rooms, into wherever they are, into wherever they. We have to establish that emotional connection. We must invest in their fandom, just as much as they invest in us and all of our stories. We had a chance to do that with a campaign that truly made a difference, and that was with Stand Up to Cancer. An atypical theatrical partnership. Typically, these are corporate social responsibility efforts. Um, But this one, we felt uh, super passionate about. It gave us a chance to use our superheroes to celebrate real heroes. Fans went nuts we were able to celebrate cancer survivors, the doctors, the researchers, everybody associated with it. American Airlines jumped in. They wrapped a plane. Fans were going nuts. It was socially viral. Everybody was posting stuff everywhere. So it really dialed up the emotional connection, and it was the right thing and a good thing to do. And it was one of their more successful campaigns to date. Another big tenet is extend our narrative. This for me is one of the most fun things we get to do in partnerships, is that we do get to extend that narrative. A lot of times I am embargoed on content, characters, who I can talk about, when I can talk about, you have no idea. And so one of the cool things that we get to do is extend and create some original storylines. When the first Ant-Man came to screen, right before it, we worked with Google and actually created original content in-world, dumped it out into the universe. Fans went nuts. They went nuts. And it brought in new fans because it allowed us to introduce Scott, an Ant-Man character before he hit the big screen. Another one that was really special where we got to extend our narrative was our Coke Hulk Ant-Man. This was a Super Bowl spot campaign that launched well before Cap Civil War. Why it was cool and why it was a risk, and this is where I love these guys when I can go talk to them and tell them I have an idea, please go with me. And they did. I told them about this spot, told them what we wanted to do. The first thing you get is... How, you know, Kevin said, how is this going to work? Hulk and Ant-Man have never even met on screen. And I'm like, how cool would that be for the fans to talk about? How cool would that be as a marketing beat and something to give back and deepen that emotional connection? And he went, OK, I'm open to it. The other thing was it was happening well outside of the theatrical partnership. So it was considered more evergreen franchise, if you will. You have to be willing. It was our first time. And thankfully, everybody went on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride with me, and we allowed this to come to screen. The fans literally went nuts um, because their minds were melting, going, oh my god, what does this mean? Hulk and Ant-Man have just met in a Coke commercial. What's happening in the next Captain America film? And it was cool. It did exactly what we wanted to. It ignited the social hemisphere. In addition to that, you know, as far as the payoff, it had no movie call out. You know, traditionally, we're doing partnerships they have some sort of cta or movie call out this one didn't but yet it ranked the number three movie spot just behind cap civil war and born another one and i know i'm running out of time i'm i'm at the finish line i promise interact not transact for me this is one of the most important ones we lose sight of this all the time we're so busy trying to figure out the kpis and how to get the sale and Answer to all the other masters that we have back at the ranch. Interact, not transact. If you interact, you will win every time, I promise you. Stick with it. By showing up in unexpected places for us, like cereal boxes, pop-up experiences, soda cans, plane wraps, whatever it may be, we become a tangible part of their daily lives. We don't just exist in the movie theaters. We're out there year-round developing that relationship. This one was one of my favorite. Doritos bag for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. You could literally plug the headphones into the bag. While you're munching on a bag of Doritos, you could jam out to Parliament's flashlight. This got put on sale on Amazon and sold out in five minutes. Site actually crashed. Amazon won't admit to it, but the site crashed during this moment. So, very interesting. You know, listen, we serve up VR for breakfast. It's another way to interact, you know, and not transact. It's creating that moment. What I mean by that is with Kellogg's, we put it on the box, and you could literally undo it, put your viewfinders on, and step into the world of Captain America while you're munching on your cereal. Last but not least, authenticity and story. I've talked about it throughout today. Key, key, key. That's probably a the most giant guiding principle at Marvel. If you're not, fans and your consumers will smell it a mile away. That doesn't mean everything's a home run, by the way. <laughs> Everything we've done has not been a home run. The films have been, but like maybe from my perspective, from partnerships, it's not always a home run. But as long as we're sticking to that, then at least we don't fail. You know, it might be not be huge out of the box. So an example of this was, this is Victoria Alonso. She's the head of pre- and post-production at Marvel, so in short, visual effects is under her purview. And I ran into her in the hallway, and I've never seen her face. She was working on Doctor Strange. I said, how's it going? I heard the hard gulp, (laughs) literally, in her voice. And I was like, "Okay." And she said, no, no, it's good. This is the most ambitious visual effects film we've ever done. We're trying new stuff we could fall flat on our face. And I could hear it in her voice, and we knew that the visual effects of this film was going to be a special part. It was going to be a special aspect to bringing this film to life and bringing it to fans. So I went back to my office, shot that Periscope up and went, okay, how do I tell this authentic story? How do I bring this aspect to life? How do I showcase that? And it turns out that I had seen some of the Microsoft Surface campaigns. They had not yet used a female or a Latina filmmaker. So I called them up, and thank God it was a bullseye. They like, are you bugging our office? We were literally just having this conversation. And it was just by paying attention to the marketplace and seeing what might fit. We got the two together, and her t- Victoria's team actually found ways by using this product that it actually made her process smoother working because she has multiple visual effects house across the globes. So it actually answered a workflow issue that she was having. And in the spot, she talks about the filmmaking process, the visual effects, as she's working on the Doctor Strange film. So pretty cool. And it was actually Microsoft, at that point, it was their most successful campaign to date. So wrapping up, you know, these are the things. I mean, at the end of the day, What I would tell you is remember to own your story. Make it relatable. We all just want to feel connected to something at the end of the day, the human spirit, right? That's where it is. Make that connection. And ask yourselves as you're approaching it, is it ownable? Is it discoverable? Is it shareable? And is it authentic? You've got to stamp out complacency and hesitancy. There's no place for it in our business. If you want to succeed, I guess I'll qualify it. I want to succeed. If we fall in line with every other marketing campaign that we see out there, you will fall behind. We will all fall behind if you do that. So what I would say is get out there, continue to have grit and courage and do cool shit. Keep doing it.
2: All right. So tell us about some more of the unconventional partnerships that you've struck in the past. You shared a couple of really interesting ones that were fairly recent, but have there been any unconventional ones that we may not be aware of that, that you've worked on?
1: What's interesting, this is an example of Marvel, but just me personally working on uh, unconvention. And this, I would say, this is where I, I say dig into your, your gut and your grit. When I was at Paramount, we had Katy Perry film that was, was coming out. And it was originally dated for May.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I had a conversation with Pepsi, who happened to call me because they had a, an event called Fleet Week. And they said, hey, we know you have G.I. Joe coming out. We just thought there'd be some cool alignment. Maybe you guys have a music or artist or something associated with the film. Could you have them come out? And I said, what if I could deliver Katy Perry? I thought I'd lost my mind. And I, they, we'd love that. And it was one of those difficult things where, okay, so how am I gonna get this done? Fleet Week was actually happening after the movie's release. So true story, I went internally to the executives and, and my boss at the time thought I had lost my mind. And I said, can, can we move the movie to July? <laughs> and they went, what? And I said, can we move the movie? Because if you can move the movie, I can have Katy Perry performing in front of 2000 Navy men for Fleet Week. I can get NBC to film it which is part of the Macy's day, and it would be pretty cool. And then Pepsi would come back with a campaign, we'll shut down Hollywood Boulevard and they'll do a concert and paid for fans. <laughs> and that was one of those crazy moments where people were looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? And, and we did it. So I guess it's just being willing to take risk.
2: What kind of, when do partnerships not make sense? Like what would you never do with a partnership? And when is it, you talked a lot about your gut instinct. And so are there, are there moments it's, where it it's, just doesn't I think it starts right? with
1: the shared DNA. Hmm. For sure. So we look at a partner and and whether it is what the brand represents or what a particular product represents, there really has to be some overlap. The one thing that annoys me to all hell in a handbasket, and I don't mean that you won't see our IP on cereal boxes and candy wrappers or whatever it may be, but... It's what happens in addition to that. That's table stakes. The thing that makes me crazy that some of the other studios and the way they approach partnerships is they're very linear, very protective, and not willing to tell stories. And they hand over a box of assets and say, here you go. That's all you can do. Play in this lane. For me, the magic is so outside of that box. That, that is table stakes. It's what haven't we thought of? What's the cool shit? That we can go do so i i would say looking at the shared dna and asking ourselves get through the contract it's like the contract is with the contract there it's to make a bunch of lawyers feel better yeah. and that we're all protecting each other in the iep it's the magic that happens after that i've worked nick tran is somewhere in the audience him and I went through hell in a handbasket. my friend over there, we got through table stakes and then we went, let's go do cool shit. That's out of the way now. So that's part of it is really asking, continue to ask yourself, what haven't you done?
2: You talked about Lexus and the, the campaign being their most successful ever. What, what did they measure in terms of success? Like how did they look at success from that? <clears throat>
1: Everything it was, affinity awareness, but specifically it was the single um, highest brand lift. It was su- single highest initially, for the LC 500 sales. And that was reported on Edmonds and everything else. But what they found after the Super Bowl spot is actually had a halo on the whole fleet. And so they measured it by sales as well.
2: What what kind of things do you measure? Marvel is pervasive in my home. You brought my children into the universe at a very early age. They're gonna be staunchly loyal for the rest of their lives. Do you look at things like customer lifetime value? What kind of things do you look at to know that your efforts are making an impact?
1: 100%. So when we're approaching, that's actually a great question. So when we're approaching partnerships, besides you know, just looking at the DNA and you know, whether or not there, there's a car scene or technology or whatever that, you know, the storyline may hold or the character may be innate to the character, we also look at who we're going after. And for Marvel, you're truly a four quadrant film at this point the way we've come in. Even though it's PG-13, we're really trying to hit everybody. Um, And what I mean by that is everybody from the millennials, that 18 to 34 segment, over to whether it's multicultural, and then it's families, and then it's kids. And that's our responsibility when we are approaching partnerships, that we are doing our job not only to help get butts in seats, but to help Translate the franchise in an ongoing manner. So, getting your kids on board, getting them enlisted, not only just by the content in the film or the television show, but also by partnerships. It allows us a little more legroom to go do a deal with General Mills and GoGurt, for example.
2: Last year was a tough year. Stanley, yeah. Stanley passed away. And um, how did his loss affect Marvel and the culture there, or or has it?
1: Oh, it, it has. I mean, I mean, I think the effect is one of let's make damn sure we honor him. Keep going. We've got big stuff on the horizon. I, I will say, though, that that was probably that day. That is the most, and Chris, you were there. That is the most quiet I've ever heard Marvel, and actually, quite frankly, across across the Disney lot. It was quiet that day. I mean, that guy, I mean a legend and just the consummate storyteller and framework. And and for Kevin, you could see it really, really hit Kevin hard. But he quickly, the next day, turned that narrative into let's continue his story, his legacy.
2: Your brand, like other cult brands, are driven by a a higher purpose. You talked about the mantra to reflect the world outside your window. And I'm wondering, how do you live that every day, the way that Douglas was describing in, in his session just before this?
1: How do we live it every day? I think every day we make sure, is it grounded? You know, I use my own periscope. Kevin must have a crystal ball in the way he's able to look into the future and not shy away, but that's exactly what he does. I mean, I know where he's going in the next few years, and in my mind, I wish I could share it with you. I can't, but my mind is blown. Um, This is something that it, it is. It's just a driving, guiding principle of, not just, we made it up and that's what it should be. That's a core innate principle for us because that is what keeps Marvel relevant. Mm -hmm. As long as you're reflecting the world outside your window right now, right now, if you are basically connecting with those fans in the moment, in their daily lives, and you're keeping that conversation going. so
2: As as phase three of the MCU kind of draws to a close this summer, how are things going to change moving forward beyond that point?
1: Listen, I think you're gonna to get to meet some new characters. I think we're gonna to continue to expand the galaxy and the universe that you've met. We have 8,000 characters. It's, it's pretty huge. We're just getting going. You know, I think some people are like, oh my God, what's gonna happen when we don't have the Avengers? And I'm like, oh my God, you have no idea what awesome, amazing characters we have on the horizon. So buckle up.
2: What movie are you gonna start with your son when the day yeah. finally comes?
1: It's a negotiation right now in my household. <laughs> I would love it to be in game. We may wait till 2020. There's some things coming out. So
2: nice. Well, as black widow says, uh, the sun's getting real low. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) we're
3: at well done.
1: Well done. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thank you so
3: much. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21 year hard rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menswar. Former frontman of Hollywood's Most Dangerous Band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in life. We've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.
0: Man, Mindy gave us so much good advice there. My fear is that some of you listening are gonna ignore it because you're gonna dismiss Marvel as some kind of exception. You're not going to connect the dots between their success and your current situation. But let me remind you of something. Back in 1996, Marvel Entertainment went bankrupt. Even in 2000, they reportedly only had $3 million left in the bank. They were down to 250 employees, and there was no signs of their future success. But over the last 20 years, Marvel rebranded itself and they rebuilt itself. And they're now reaching a far wider audience and more markets than ever before. For decades, they failed to create the kind of success that they enjoy today. In 2002, they went hat in hand to investors to raise over $500 million to get some funding to do something that was completely new to them. And that was to launch this in-house movie studio and to create this cinematic universe that was unlike anything the world has ever seen most people doubted them. In fact, they had to get some second-rate director and some lead actor who just got out of prison because the most legit players in the space thought that Marvel was crazy. And honestly, they were. But genius and remarkable requires a bit of crazy. Since 2008, Marvel Studios has released 19 different films, grossing nearly 20 billion dollars. They also now have 10 television series in the works. Everything they do seems to turn to gold, but that's only because they're now reaping benefits of having done so much hard work of not just creating a company, but of creating a cult-like brand that people actually give a damn about. Once again, this is your host, Chris Neeland, and you've been listening to Cult Brand Secrets where we explore the great speakers and insights shared at The Gathering, a Forbes top-rated business summit. Learn more about The Gathering at cultgathering.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please rate and review us on your podcast app. It really helps. Cult Brand Secrets is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Special thanks to Connor Standish and Laura Winter for their assistance in making this podcast possible. Also, I'd like to thank our producer and audio engineer, William Pritz, as well as executive producers, David Moss and Bridget Coyne. I'm your host, Chris Nealon. Thanks for listening.
2: The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway.